Tito's and Shiner Gonna be an all-nighter And I just might find her At the Whataburger line Dance halls and women But man, I'm wishing That I was fishing by the Howdy, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tex-ish, the show about some things Texas. And some things not. We are super excited. We had yet another fantastic conversation. Really cool talk. Entrepreneur, creator, runner. Hot dog man. Iron man, hot dog man. (laughs) Michael, really hard last name to say, but I'll get it right here in a second. Founder of Atreyu Running Shoes, the first subscription model shoe company ever. Hashtag first. Hashtag first. Super fortunate to get to run with him and then sit down and have a really heartfelt conversation. I did not run with him. I ran with him. Have a heartfelt conversation over coffee about his journey to owning and running this spectacular shoe company. Before we get to that, we have a couple of segments, but before that... As always, we have our not sponsors. Not sponsors. Not sponsors. Seth, who was our first not sponsor? Our first not sponsor today is Global Effing Warming because it's 80 degrees in in December and that's messed up. That is super messed up. Walking outside today, I was like, I'd rather hurl. Global Global warming. warming. It's really hot. Global warming. We should probably do something about it. Global warming. I guess it's real. Global warming. Why are there mosquitoes in my house? Global warming. I was sweating on your porch this morning. Global warming. Do you like coffee on the porch? Not anymore. Global warming. Wow, that was fast. Global warming. At least Austin will be beachfront. <laughs> That's a whole other issue. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're also sinking. Here's here's what I thought. I everybody from LA is moving here because they know that the water line's going to rise up. So they're like, "Well, I'll just well, I'll just front property now. I'll just do it now and have it when the water gets here." Global warming. Global warming. <laughs> <laughs> we are also hold on, hold on. I got one more. Okay. Global warming. It's a hot topic. Uh, 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 all right, I'll see myself good. out. Scoot up a little bit. We are also not sponsored, and keep in mind, not sponsors are always a joke, made in good taste, humorous. We're also not sponsored by half marathons. Half marathons. Do you like half-assing everything else in your life? Try a half marathon. Try a half marathon. It's like a full marathon, but, but half. half of the distance. Half, the, half, half of it. Half marathon. Don't have a lot of time to train for a full, nor the willpower to. Try a half Try a half marathon. Half marathon. Half marathon. Please take the sticker off your car. Half marathon, when you're halfway through Boston and you're like, I'm done. <laughs> half marathon, Gunner's being facetious. This is a total joke. If you've done a half marathon, that is awesome. Half marathons, it's for outdoor voices, people. <laughs> nice. Thanks. I'm going to get a lot of flack for that one. <laughs> Before we get to our segments, though, we, and again, truly, if your plan is, if your goal is to run a half marathon, I fully support that. If your goal is to run a half marathon, aim higher. Stop making me sound like a dick. I'm serious. If I know you are. I, hey, I, I don't care if you run a half marathon. I, I, I care in terms of that. What is that, 13 miles? 
That's, that's a lot of miles. Good for you if you run it. I just sometimes like to make the joke of it's like doing max bench press. Half marathon. It's Gunner's warm-up. Stop. Anyway, <laughs> before we get to our usual segments, yeah. don't forget we are also legitimately brought to you by Never Rest Coffee Company. Never Rest. Never Stop Never Resting. Great quality. High quality coffee at an affordable price. High quality coffee for low quality people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Devin, don't kill us. Uh, yeah, you're so strong. It's great coffee made by a good right. Person, a handsome man. Very handsome. Very chiseled. Lots of muscle. But even if you don't have a lot of muscle, you can drink Never Rest Coffee. They've got Keurig. They've got Blonde Roast. They've got Medium Roast. They've got Dark Roast. Yeah. Do they have a Dark Roast? They have a Dark Roast. Nice. Devin, send me a Dark Roast. <laughs> Maybe you should just text him that. I don't know. Anyway. I, I like shouting out Never over the Rest airwaves. Coffee Company, if you just want a discount on your coffee, save a little bit of money in the new year. Go to neverrest.com, throw some coffee in your cart, and then use promo code TEXTISH for 10% off all orders, whether you order one bag, whether you order a crap ton of Keurig pods. Get 10% off of that order using code TEXTISH. That's T-E-X-I-S-H. Discount code TEXTISH at NeverRest for 10% off all your coffee orders and needs. Never Rest Coffee Company. Never stop, never resting. Excellent. Yeah, well done. That was a good read. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. No no joke. Just good read. Thank you. I appreciate that. You are. Texish. We're good at this. Texish. We're good at reading ads. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Are you ready for Once Upon a Time in Texas History? I am ready for Once Upon a Time in Texas History. <clears throat> so I am going to do my best not to butcher this because it's such a cool story. Okay. Are you familiar with the Texas Relays? I am. Huge event every year in Texas. Yeah. We do track teams from all around come and compete. It is a massive to-do. It's a, it's a, it's a showdown throwdown. But it wasn't always. Okay. In 1927, the Texas Relays featured the first marathon in Austin for women only. Oh. As well as the first timed ultramarathon in U.S. history, a 90-mile run from San Antonio to UT's Memorial Stadium. What? Yeah. So I'm not going to read verbatim because it's just like such a long and involved story, but I'm going to try and give cliff notes that aren't completely butchered. Okay. So here's kind of what happened. Uh, we invited six Tatahumata runners from northern Mexico to participate in the 1927 relays. And we did that because as kind of a bid for more Olympic involvement earlier uh, in that, in I think it was 1926, there was this really long run that started, uh, again, at the relays, but finished in, in Mexico. Okay. And it was these these six runners from this, you know, little-known region in Mexico yeah. that ran something like 70-something miles. Mm-hmm. And it, it really garnered a lot of worldwide attention yeah. for this little area in Mexico, enough that they wanted to bid for an ultramarathon in the Olympics. Okay. And part of that was the the Texas Relays, 
what would you call him? Uh, Theo Belmont, who was the director for the University of Texas race director. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Can you tell I don't run? (laughs) Tell me you don't run without telling me you don't run. So the race director was like, hey, this is going to get us a lot of attention. I want to build this Texas Relays to be a huge thing. I want to put Austin on the map. How can I do that? So he has this idea to not only have these Terra Humera runners come up and run this ultra marathon to kind of end the relays, he wants to do the first women only marathon because it's the Roaring Twenties. Like women have more rights than they've ever had in the U- yeah. in the U.S. They kick off the the decade with the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Skirts are getting shorter. People say, are getting hey, crazy. Ankles are, getting, are shown. getting shown. It's a it, dude. It's a crazy party. Yeah. So. They invite these these guys up to Mexico. Uh, in total, they have six runners, three men, three women, and they come up to Austin. And there's like there's this whole article about how they explored Austin, and they were you know fascinated by like yeah. gas stoves. Okay. Um, and these are the runners that are famous for wearing for barefoot running. Yeah. Well, they're also the subject of mm-hmm. uh, Born to Run. Of Born to Run. Yeah. They're, they're, this is they're, the this is exactly. tribe that the book and, is about. And this is kind of their first appearance in the U.S. Okay. And, and their first big, like, oh, hey, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they get they get trucked down to, to San Antonio okay. to start the race on, on that morning. They get trucked down? Yeah, they get trucked down. <laughs> it sounds like they're pigs or something. They get driven down in there cars. You there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there's there's a lot of attention. Like, yeah. this is, a, the, in, the, in the U.S., this is kind of unheard of so yeah. they're they've got newspapers from new york everywhere just to follow these guys yeah. on their run and they they report like they usually they run in traditional garb but because they're representing mexico they're wearing track uniforms with the uh-huh. shield on it yeah but they've got all this stuff right like they're gonna run barefoot except when there's gravel and they, they're taking um they're taking peyote and oranges which yeah. they're gonna eat on the way mm-hmm. They've got these poles they're carrying, which are like, I'll put a picture on our thing, but check it out. They're carrying these poles while they're running, and they set a seven-mile-per-hour pace, uh, and these poles have, like, the flag of Mexico on it because they're ambassadors. Mm -hmm. So about halfway through, their youngest runner gets cramps and has to stop. I know. He he holds up pretty well, but, like, overall, yeah, he, he just can't recover from the stomach cramps. Um, meanwhile, the three women, two of them have to drop out for various reasons. Yeah. One of them, uh, she was having trouble with her sandals okay. and she tried to go barefoot, but they were running on pavement. Yeah. Uh, they, Ow. their route was from, uh, the UT campus to round rock and back. Okay. So they're running on pavement. She, yeah. she can't do it because it gets too hot. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's Texas. Yeah. Global warming. And uh, it was probably December. it was probably December. <laughs> Just getting eaten up by Mexico by, <laughs> by mosquitoes. Uh, so f- the only person who finishes the women's division is Lola Casade, um, and she finishes the first women's only marathon. Okay, um, takes a couple laps around the track. She actually ducks under the ribbon. What the? Because she didn't know she was supposed to run <laughs> through hilarious. it, which is kind of funny. She uh, thought obstacle course time. She finishes the race in four hours and forty two minutes. Dude, that's yeah. Fast. That's not bad, right? Almost two hours later, Zafiro and Torres, the, the two Terry yeah. Humera runners who didn't drop out, um, f- reached their goal in 14 hours and 53 minutes. Jeez. The Washington Post declares it a feat that would kill an ordinary horse. <laughs> so, 
all of this is kind of an explosive event. You know, yeah. it, it happens in Texas, which is great. So the athletic director gets a lot of kudos. Yeah. The big thing that's interesting is Mexico is using this as a bid to get the ultra marathon in the in Olympics, the Olympics. Yeah. to increase, you know, the greater international participation. The Olympics ultimately deny their request mm-hmm. because they were like, dude, there's three people who can actually run this race and you have all three of them. <laughs> yeah. I, nobody wants to do yeah, this. No one else. Is this doing is torture. This. Yeah. <laughs> You'll notice the ultra marathon, if I'm not mistaken, still isn't in the Olympics. It is still not in the Olympics. And it's really, you know, it's become its own. It's become world. its own little world. Yeah. UTMB is sort of considered the, yeah. the world series, the Olympics of ultra running. Yeah. But I still, I am of the opinion that it has a place in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Now I think it's less about, not everyone can do this, and it's more about, well, we can't televise 90 miles of people trotting. Right. You just can't. Just point blank. Point blank. Um, So so ultimately, they do send the two two finishers to the marathon. Okay. They finish 32nd, 32nd, 35th overall because they train for endurance, not speed. They they finish 32nd and 31st, but probably could keep the pace they had for another 70 miles. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's like the Cliff Notes version of the 1927 Texas Relays. I'm so glad you found that. Yeah, I thought it was a thing. That needs to be common knowledge. Right? That's just super cool. Like, check check out this picture uh, of... Yeah. This is so cool. That's cool, right? I love that. Very cool. You're way better at this than I am. Do you even want to hear the city? Because I didn't even try with the city. You mean town? (laughs) The town, yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry, the unincorporated community. Oh, we got an unincorporated. Oh, an unincorporated community in Tom Green County, Texas. According to the Handbook of Texas, the community had an estimated population of 200 in 2000. Okay. It's part of the San Angelo, Texas metropolitan statistical area. The great unincorporated community of Wall. Wall, Wall Texas. Texas. The house that the Wysoons built. Right. Um, so the area was known by several different names. Lippin School, Little School, and Murray's Store. It was settled okay. in the mid-1880s, and the community was named, af- named Wall after J.M. Wall, a shopkeeper who served as postmaster after the town's post office opened in 1906. Okay. It was a trading center for the fertile Lippin Flat region. The population stood at roughly 250 in 1920, 120 throughout the 1930s and 40s, and had slightly risen to around 200 during the latter half of the 20th century. They currently support several businesses and a post office and a school. Yep. Author Jenny Lawson's best-selling memoir, Let's Pretend This Never Happened, discusses growing up in Wall, Texas. Really? And that is pretty much it. Um, That is interesting. Yep. Yeah, we drive through it if you drive from Austin Mm -hmm. to our grandparents' house in San Angelo or even our hometown, Andrews, to To, Austin. You drive through through Wall, Wall, and it's one of those small towns that it doesn't have a high school or a middle school. It's just Wall School. school. You you pass the building, and it just says Wall School. Yeah. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Nice. Yeah, Wall. I'm still not over the Texas Relay Park, but also shouts out Wall. Yeah, I I almost was like, hey, I need to do the town first, (laughs) uh, just because, like, come on. So cool. Do you want to hear about our badass? No. I'm just kidding. Okay, I'll tell you anyway. (laughs) In the vein of sport, you were relevant with your day once upon a time in Texas history, not running, but still sport. Mm-hmm. Our badass of the week is none other than John Arthur Johnson, otherwise known as the Galveston Giant. 
Okay. Born March 31st, 1878 in Galveston, Texas, he was an American boxer who, at the height of the Jim Crow era, became the first African-American world heavyweight boxing champion, Mm. holding the title from 1908 to 1915. Widely regarded as one of the most influential boxers of all time, his 1910 fight against James J. Jeffries was dubbed the fight of the century. According to filmmaker Ken Burns, for more than 15 years, Jack Johnson was the most famous and most notorious African-American on Earth. Transcending boxing, he became part of the culture and history of racism in the United States. Just a freaking badass boxer. Person. Person, you know, one of those spearheads of history as far as bringing racial inequality and racial injustice to to the the forefront. forefront. Yeah. And I'm sure it felt pretty good to beat up a white dude. I mean, like, let's not pretend that that doesn't feel amazing to get paid to do that. To do that? (laughs) In that time period. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was also hard because it's not like he beat the guy up and everyone said, this is great. Half the country said, this is great. Sort of an after the fact thing. Yeah. You know, Um, we get to look back. We get to look back and be happy. (laughs) But, and dude, I mean, just listen to his fight record. Okay. Total fights, 95. 72 wins, Mm -hmm. 38 wins by KO, 11 losses, 11 draws. So he dominated. Call him Domino because he dominated. (laughs) But yeah, Jack Johnson, you are our badass for transcending racial segregation, for becoming the first African-American in history to hold the heavyweight title outright. As well as just some really smooth, soft guitar sounds. Exactly. <laughs> Galveston Giant, we salute you. Galveston Giant, here's to you. Here's to you. All right, y'all. We are super excited now to get to our interview with Michael Kratichek. I really hope I said your last name correctly. <laughs> Michael is, like we said, the owner and the founder of a tra- <laughs> Shut up. I'm trying to read. <laughs> it's, a, it's involuntary. <laughs> Bless you. Thanks. Michael is, first of all, and you're going to hear it from moment one, just a sweet soul, a creative soul, so kind, full of gratitude, and a just insanely insightful business person, just getting to hear him talk about how he navigated from playing music to being the hot dog guy and running a restaurant to owning and starting his own running shoe brand and company, first of its kind of subscription model of running shoes. Check them out. If you follow at Michael Krajicek, you'll follow the owner. If you follow at Atreyu Running Shoes, you can take a look at all the products that they're pushing, get to know the brand, go buy some shoes. They're freaking amazing. But we had a wonderful time getting to sit with him after him and I shared a few miles. We all got to share coffee and just open it up for him to share his story and, and share the the heart behind. What a cool story it is. It honestly. really is. It really is. And he, his interview is one of those that just continues to remind me of why I love what we're doing. Just getting to give people the chance to open up about the heart behind what they do. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's just a great interview. I hope it makes you as happy as it makes us. So without further ado, owner founder of a tray, you running shoes, Michael Krajicek. So, you know, it's like, this was, this was like, <laughs> this, this was the stuff that this we had to do to do okay. our project. Yeah. Well, so what we're going to be doing is, um, 
we're setting up a space in my house that's going to be just for us. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, branded out with uh, the logo. The and logo. Whatnot. I have a big, uh, mm-hmm. there's a picture of us online of us holding cardboard over our junk and it says nude boot goofing. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, wait, is that yeah. the, uh, is that the. <laughs> like nude boot new goofing, boot but it's just Yeah, yeah, And I have an artist friend of mine blowing that up into this big, like, right. artistic little mural thing that mm-hmm. we're going to put up. And we'll have a cat. We're going to set it up. We're going to set it up really nice. Four and mics. There's only two mics yeah. here, so we thought we'd just go ahead and get four mics set up. Yeah, yeah. four so total. And, and own it, as we were talking about mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. Like, yeah. learn it, own it. Mm-hmm. That way it's... Because we love this space, but that's the hard part is we don't own the space. We don't yeah. own mm-hmm. the equipment, so it just makes it a little bit Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I might difficult. tap you for endurance training best practices, <laughs> and then uh, I'll come help you all with some... I that is tech a, work if y'all need it. That's a fair trade, it's a fair but it's trade. also unfair because I would be having fun yeah. getting to share my. Well, so would I. It's easy going. But, uh, you'd be showing. You'd be helping us work. Yeah. I like helping people save money. Dude. <laughs> I, most people overbuy or yeah, do yeah, something. Yeah. Well, I mean, how much? I mean, I've noticed even on your social, you'll post like a DIY project yeah. pretty frequently. Uh-huh. And uh, he just wrapped his truck with, like, the Atreyu. I saw the Atreyu uh-huh. wrap. That so was yeah. really cool. You just but did you that, did that yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because how much did they quote you? For, it was, like, it was either 4000 or 7000 I forget which one they quoted for. Okay, cool. For, like, a full vinyl wrap. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. So I just, it's, like, the other option is to do it yourself or to get, like, little ones. So mm-hmm. the little ones would be, like, 1500 mm-hmm. or something. I'm, like, mm-hmm. well, I can just go buy a, the Cricket from Michael's. And, uh... <laughs> get the vinyl so yeah. for about 20 bucks in vinyl you can do 12 feet Jeez. so you just print it out yeah and there's no like ink tone or anything right. so it's a super mellow way to efficiently put whatever you want in the truck so we what i get excited about is like i can rewrap my truck or put things on the window like a qr code that sure. says like find my truck around town yeah and do the qr code and i'll stop and give you a free pair sure or something like That's that or, or whatever yeah um or follow us, and if mm-hmm. you see the truck, then it's like a 50% yeah. discount code. Just, yeah. Or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. So, th- that I'd, I could never, I didn't want to just pay somebody a lot of money to design one thing that I'd have to redesign the second that it becomes obsolete, which yeah. was like, oh, that would just be annoying. I would be so <laughs> Honestly, the first thing you should do is just like take a picture of flipping off the camera in front of it and then yeah. tag the people. And then be like, I got you. you. <laughs> just 20 bucks. I got you, man. <laughs> just yeah. stand right outside of their, their place of business and be like, I can do it for cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, I want mother No, it's, it's, it's my new thing, man. Busy Mind is just trying to do a different project every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one, since it was a business project, I got to do the printer. So, like, 500 bucks. That's so. true. Write it off, baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next week, I'm probably going to... I'm I'm looking now at some... The uh, the the wood carving and sawing tools. Like, Ooh. this is, like, Japanese culture of, like, wood carving. Okay. Like, uh, dovetail... Uh, yeah, you know, using any nails or screws. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like so I want to do like stuff. little mini projects mm-hmm. with like a little dovetail and just learn how to dovetail. Yeah. So the idea is like, if you don't know something or it intrigues you, like the other day it intrigued me like how to how to how do they make a pouch? Like how do you sew a pattern on a pouch? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like I don't like not knowing that because it seems pretty easy. So just got my sewing machine and then 
learn how to make a little pouch. Mm. Like, how do you sew on a zipper? Like, it yeah. seems like a pretty mysterious thing. Yeah. But I don't like not knowing it, right? Yeah. So you find, like, one little thing a week and, and be like, that's how it. you put a zipper on. <laughs> and it's harder than it looks. Yeah, I but, imagine, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see how long it keeps up. Uh, the team jokes that I'm going to end up having, like, some HGTV, like, sure. fucking <laughs> DIY dies, channel. Like, yeah. That's like, dude, Mike's going to leave us behind. His DIY shit <laughs> is going to go gangbusters. Joanna are gonna yeah, right exactly. <laughs> Have you always been like that? Just, like, trying to figure out how different things work? Or is no. Newer? It's, honestly, it's a product of the amount of pressure and stress I've had at work. Really? And on a weekly basis, it's morning till night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so on the weekends, what I was finding is that I would have panic attacks on Saturday and Sunday. Mm And, um, there's like something that I, I mean, a lot, I think it's very common for some people to have these panic attacks, kind of fear of awfulizing all of the things that could happen. Who's going to call this week? Uh, Are we going to get, um, some type of copyright this or that or mm-hmm. what legal shit's going to come my way or where's the shipment for the shoes like is it going to get held up for another week what am I going to yeah. have to tell you like it's yeah. all like in the what ifs in the future which is basically anxiety yeah so I'm I kind of find ways if I can to throw wrenches in the system and I told my girlfriend I was like I just on Saturdays, I want to go to the hardware store for like an hour. I want to find a few things. I want to buy it, and then I want to do something with it just so I can like slingshot through the day without yeah. thinking about work. And that worked the first week, you know. Mm-hmm. I got some acrylic and a heat gun and bent it and made like a little like a bedside thing that I screwed into the wall, mm-hmm. a little dock or something. And uh, wire framing the next week, kind of like a little copper wire and a soldering iron. It's like, mm-hmm. well, not a solder, you know, little things. So for like 50 bucks, you can go get a soldering iron. So if you have a $100 budget a week, which seems like a lot, but my anxiety doesn't go away. Like, I would be spending that on drinking anyway. Sure. Yeah. So as like a sober person, it's like, that's my weekend fun budget. So I'm just going to go spend 50 to 100 bucks. Yeah. Right. And then make a make a party make a out thing. of it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was more. That's a recent development. I haven't been much of a physical like I own tools. Like I do this thing. Like mm-hmm. that all started when I started producing the footwear. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and going like, oh, that's how they're doing it. This is what a heat transfer is yeah. for okay. vinyl. So how do you pivot from audio engineering? Mm-hmm to making footwear well also specifically how do you transition from audio engineer to musician playing 350 shows and and 300 Mm -hmm. 350 night shows a year Mm -hmm. to hot dog stand owner to owning a badass shoe company and creating it from the ground up Mm. and i'm just gonna let everyone know that's pretty much how i heard you kind of shortly tell your story a few weeks ago on a run you were talking to don Mm -hmm. and you were like yeah, I was playing music, and then I had a hot dog stand, and now I have mm-hmm. shoes. So just walk us through this whole journey here. Okay. Uh, they, so the sho- the it 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 began at um it began at UT. So mm-hmm. I went to UT. I was on deferral for the business school. Sure. Okay. I was okay. young. Like yeah. I went to got out of high school um, about a year early and clipped into this deferral program. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
did not like school that much, so I transferred to uh, Berkeley College of Music, and uh, where I kind of felt more at home. Mm-hmm. I had like a, an aptitude for playing guitar, and yeah. it kind of had a musical tonality, like just to be able to play music by ear and yeah. identify like musical concepts. So I got some assistance to go to that school, and uh, which sweetened the load a little bit. Really loved the curriculum, but mm-hmm. um, got out of school and. Uh, didn't do much as a musician. Um, get them. Honestly, I'm kind of a person with low self-esteem that I got always knew like this impending doom thought, which mm-hmm. was like, you're not gonna go out there and put yourself out there. So it was always yeah. like really just trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with this musical degree. Mm-hmm. And uh, ended up in New Orleans, got a job at a, a startup hot dog restaurant called uh, Dat Dog, and uh, it, originally it was. It is a dat dog or dat dog? Dat dog in in New Orleans, yeah. And it was in this little shed on Ferret Street. And the two owners were older gentlemen, and uh, they needed somebody to help them run the grill. So I was like, all right, I'll run the grill. (laughs) I'll do the thing. I've never worked in a restaurant. So I had a great time with that experience and ended up kind of doing some hiring and learning how the restaurant business Mm -hmm. worked. And then a couple years later, um, that was early 20s, probably 22, 23 years old, and uh, ended up moving to Nashville trying to take that last little hurrah at like I'm gonna go be a songwriter okay, I'm gonna go sure. I'm gonna go get this shit done yeah and and uh it just didn't work out it was mm-hmm. just um a very unmeaningful time to get like really in the pitfalls of what was like an emerging addiction cycle that I had been kind of dealing with for a long time um basically moved back to Louisiana and needed to get into an AA program. Yeah. And so I did the AA program and was back home in mm-hmm. southwest Louisiana. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm from, from the swamp. Um, my mom lived there. So I went home. And it was this really great opportunity to make something out of nothing, which was like, I got this new path to sobriety. I've got, I'm going to use my skills from the old hot dog restaurant. And I'm going to create my own. Heck yeah. So ended up using that as my tool to kind of like my self-esteem booster mm-hmm. and uh, ended up going down this road and the restaurant became regionally successful and then it became kind of a cultly successful, <laughs> got into some magazines that nice. were like like Paula Deen's magazine yeah, okay. and um, some other stuff. Like it was just kind of, it was kind of wild. Yeah. I was on, uh, <laughs> I was on, uh, the UFC, um, Dana looking for a fight, the pilot yeah, episode. Yeah. Really? Um, in Lake Charles. Okay. And, uh, they, they came to the restaurant, pulled up yeah. in like six Escalades. Oh and I was gosh. like, Oh shit, this were is kind of crazy. Were they or it was just Dana wanted a hot dog? Like they were, they were just wanted a hot dog. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and awesome. they had heard like this crazy hot dog place. Yeah. And, uh, in Lake Charles, so they <laughs> went to visit it, and then so it'd be a lot of weird stories yeah, like that. Sure. And I mean, what made it? If we can follow the rabbit yeah, sure. really quick, yeah, like yeah. what made the hot dog stand sort of culty? Was it? Were you guys like frying sticks of butter, or was it? Yeah, really like, good was hot it dog? the vibe? Sure. No, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It from. It was a paradigm shift from what a hot dog traditionally is, like, I like the idea of elevating 
the street food concept. And yeah. this mm-hmm. time, Lake Charles didn't have any what was called fast casuals, which yeah. is like you put the kitchen out in front. It is yeah. a show. I like yeah. to perform. Yeah. So this is my way to not have to sing to somebody a sweet mm-hmm. song. I could make them a sweet performance out of being the hot dog guy. Yeah. So <laughs> I was sitting there. I could be behind the grill. I had a little microphone. Welcome to the restaurant. You know, all this cra- <laughs> crazy awesome. shit. And I'm like, and, and it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. So, but... The way that I differentiated it was that we were serving wild boar and pheasant and um, like Kobe beef and crazy stuff. So it would be unlikely that your hot dog was ten or fifteen dollars because you got it with crawfish etouffee on top of an alligator sausage or something like that. So it was, and it was coming from the land of like culinary creations Mm -hmm. like that. It was really you just had to be a creative to kind of put these things together, and then. I worked with a lot of great, uh, had a lot of great friends who were really, really talented chefs that I kind of by osmosis got some great feedback from mm-hmm. and some recipes from, like yeah. a red wine reduction, which like went over, um, a rabbit sausage, which was just stupid. So, I mean, you can just imagine like how interesting that yeah. kind of paradigm shift was in a blue collar town yeah. where everybody's kind of, you we know, know not is, used to this but, culture. Yeah. And, um, and so that, um, quickly became something however that I really liked creating and I liked the process of conceptualizing the business but yeah. um and bringing joy to people too mm-hmm. like that seems to sort of be a yeah. theme mm-hmm. a little bit as well as mm-hmm. far as if people are gonna interact with something you've made you want to bring them joy right, right. Like, yeah and and it was a performance you know and yeah. I like to perform yeah it's I and when it's a safe environment yeah like that's it like mm-hmm. I don't want to be some loud ass trying to do something like yeah. I just like if you pay for a ticket to come see the hot dog show like I'm in like, like here's the wiener I'm the guy sure. yeah here, I'm the guy <laughs> and, you know and I wore my jumpsuit and I could get up on the counter I could do all kinds of stupid stuff and uh I played little music shows in there every once yeah. in a while so um lo and behold I think more so was falling in love with endurance training through mm-hmm. the sobriety so you had this like whole like you had this stream of sobriety and then the stream of restaurant life which is like really stressful mm-hmm. and high pressure and high volatility yeah. and um we're in an environment where a lot of people don't stay sober right as yes. far as like restaurant culture mm-hmm. goes. and i wanted to wake up i wanted to train during the day like yeah. and when i was discovering this like i would go on these runs to after the lunch rush mm-hmm. and i just take my shirt off go for a run for an hour put on some um I'd put on reggae music, like, kind of high-life music from yeah. Africa and just, like, kind of just, like, fucking go, man. Yeah. Like, it just, like, I just want to, I just want to disappear. Yeah. And go run by the lake. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, as kind of a product expeditionary in terms of, like, loving products I've always been a product person like what am I buying like I'm mm-hmm. a thrifty guy so I want to buy not just a dozen pair of shoes but I want to like really do some research to find the right ones and mm-hmm. then I just fell in love with footwear and it just it didn't stop so I ended up uh battling with this kind of ethos that the restaurant life wasn't who I was for I couldn't see myself mm-hmm. at 45 50 years old in the restaurant life, yeah. yeah, or owning a franchise chain, because sure. yeah. I wasn't interested in yeah. that. Was there even an element of, like, could you see yourself performing every day into your 50s? Like, Well, that's what happened, is I uh, sold the restaurant, and I needed something to do, because yeah. here I was, like, I, I'm 
I'm that guy before the restaurant started without a skill set. I'm not a great chef, but I can do chefly things. Yeah. I <laughs> I had a restaurant, but I'm not a restaurateur. Mm-hmm. I I'm a I'm an expeditionary of things that I want to do. Yeah. So like and so I decided like I can't get anything done unless I build if I I have to fix the root issue that like inner yeah. child issue that yeah. like you know that kind of situation mm-hmm. that I'm and that for me was self esteem. So I uh it was bizarre to get a music degree from a, a pretty prominent institution <laughs> yeah. and never have made a dollar really yeah. playing music. Mm-hmm. And so I went out to the coffee shop when I sold the restaurant, went on a 10-day Vipassana retreat, did some meditation. Like, it's a 10-day silent retreat. Um, and uh, no talking, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And it was in Kaufman, Texas. And it was just a beautiful experience. So I kind of, like, reset my mind. I mm-hmm. got in touch with this, like my sobriety was just firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. And then I got back home and I was like, it's time to tackle my beasts. So I just went and got a free gig at the coffee shop on a Sunday morning. And I started playing music, taking requests. And it was super embarrassing. <laughs> and I did it again. And then somebody said, hey, you want to play at our restaurant? It's a new restaurant down the road. You seem like a cool guy. You were the, you were the hot dog guy. Come play there, man. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll go play there. Yeah. And they paid me about $150 play for mm-hmm. two hours. And I made yeah. it for about an hour and I ran out of shit. And then I played some of the stuff again. And, you know, I was like, I need to learn more songs. Yeah. Yeah. Got a gig there again. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, about six months later, I'm playing about six to seven nights a week and some days twice a day. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing at the farmer's market during the day, getting in the car, going to Beaumont, Texas and playing there at night. Big at money, a steakhouse, baby. right? So yeah. it's like, well, this is kind of interesting because yeah. it became effortless because I owned that tool yeah. and I could own playing covers like I had probably a 500 song set list mm-hmm. and this ability to kind of empathize with mm-hmm. people like what what's your favorite artist for example yeah uh, mm-hmm. yeah I'll, I'll just ask you guys what is your favorite musical artist uh, as far as what would be appropriate to play in public no, like what do you? What's in your truck right now? Well, what's the I, I songwriting up, wise? Songwriting wise, yeah. Either Justin mm. Jones, Mexico, or probably Noah Gunderson. Just anything he's ever played. Or so I'm not big in the Texas Red Dirt scene, but I'm guessing that might be somewhere in it. Somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I would say something like, "I'm not your Texas Red Dirt guy." Yeah. Like, but I do know some. Mm-hmm. Are you interested in, do you, do you know, um, what's that song? Um, I don't know. Hey, Hayes Carl. Do you know any yes, Hayes Carl? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, well, I know some great Hayes Carl songs. Is that okay. something you'd be interested in hearing? And it's like, then we could have a dialogue. Yeah. And, and then I could be like, what should I be listening to? So mm-hmm. then I'd go back the next week okay. and they would be there and I'd learn one of their songs yeah. and just kind of capitalize. Okay. And that was my job. Yeah. And... I created like re- little relationships here and there with like I know I'd play a few Hayes Carl songs like mm-hmm. and then I'd learn what you wanted to hear. Yeah. And uh just became kind of like a, a fruitful way of kind of resetting my clock, which yeah. was just a fun way to live for about two years. Yeah. And as a sober person, I found I found like a a sense of relevance going out at night, not just staying home reading books about mm. sobriety or Eastern culture or right. anything like that. Like yeah. at night, just sitting at home, kind like I could go bubble. out yeah. and have a reason to be out yeah. in a bar or a restaurant or the casino mm-hmm. and then with a purpose and then go home at the end of the night and yeah. get a 
ultimately building up little pieces into the self-esteem bucket going like you used to have used to wake up every day run through your phone and call everybody seeing what happened the night before and now I just really enjoyed waking up each day after getting home at midnight and going or one or two or three a.m. and being like looking at my phone and being like I don't need to call anybody it's so (laughs) fucking amazing yeah like it's it's like I just love that feeling every yeah. day. So that became my self-esteem. My esteem yeah. was boosted by means of that. So mm-hmm. then it was like, what do I really want to do with my life? Uh-huh. I could finally make a decision on what I wanted to do with it mm-hmm. when I was done dealing with my demons yeah. from the mm-hmm. past. Yeah, for sure. And so, as you were playing music, I mean, we just sort of said it, you know, you're going to bed pretty late, mm-hmm. you're playing twice a day. Did endurance training sort of fade to the back for a little bit, or were you still finding time to go on a run or to get on the bike? Oh, like, yeah. When, when did Iron Man stuff come into the picture? Right. So when you're playing, the schedule was simply get to the gig around 6 p.m., mm-hmm. start playing at 7 and end at around 10 or 11. Yeah. Go home, mm-hmm. go to bed at midnight, wake up again, do it. So I had the entire day to kind of figure out what I was going to do with my day. And a um, buddy of mine um, just got done with Iron Man. Uh, I think it was Iron Man Cabo at the time. I don't think that race exists anymore. Okay, but um, it, he had just got done with it. And uh, I just got super jealous because we used to watch these little VHS tapes mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, old Kona races when yeah. we were a kid. And um, back in sixth grade. And I always had to. Iron Man was just something that I always found to be kind of like wildly interesting. It's yeah. like a long race, yeah. you know. And um, power save, I don't know what that is. It's a new watch. <laughs> um, He's going to have to make one soon. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's all product can't testing. Handle this. Uh, <laughs> Mike's next DIY project. <laughs> so. Mike, I want. <laughs> so the guy, uh, he signed up for Iron Man Texas. Yeah. And. I've been running every day. Mm-hmm. I got a falling in love with like my new pair of shoes at the time. It went from a Newton Fate to just learning how to do some four foot running, okay. kind of fixing my stride, yeah. working on the mechanics. Dude, R.I.P. Newton, by the way. I know. They yeah, just they, they came in and then they came out. Well, <laughs> I I still uh, every time I see him at the expos and stuff. Really? I, yeah, I'm, I I I just I love their ethos. I've, I've total respect with where they came in that like born to run era and Mm -hmm. and everything kind of like addressing a lot of cool stuff in the industry Mm -hmm. i met danny abshire one time it was wildly interesting conversation Mm -hmm. he was the he was he could just a really cool conversation early in my footwear career Mm -hmm. where it was like i still agree i just have reverence for that Mm -hmm. that that whole time span where Ultra and Newton yeah. and everybody mm-hmm. were like hitting yeah, the scene. Yeah, like hitting it pretty yeah. hard. And, um, but that was actually before I was even interested in it. Okay. So I was, I bought a pair of Newton Fates mm-hmm. and they literally kind of like, they gave me this like weird blueprint to take an inward look at my running. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the Adidas Takumi Sen, like I fell in love with, which is a beautiful Japanese racing flat that was way too much money. <laughs> and, um, but I liked paying the extra money because I knew that I loved it, right? Yeah. So, um, it, so the, sorry, I went off, I went off the grid on that one. Um, <laughs> dude, chase all the rabbits, I, that's uh, what we're here for. I, uh, so we were talking specifically about 
not footwear at that point. We were talking about um, Iron Man, like where yeah, Iron, Iron Man. Man. So he signed up for Texas, and so I already had that like tenure with running. I felt mm-hmm. like I could hold eight miles, ten yeah, miles, right. and have a good mm-hmm. time doing it. So I just got an entry, and um, the next day went and bought a bike. So the Iron Man <laughs> was uh, the the second triathlon that I did because okay. I did a little um, Olympic distance in Spring, Texas before nice. that, which is really good experience. Mm-hmm. So bought my bike, same bike that I have today, and. Um, yeah, and ever since then, I just have fallen in love with endurance sports. And somewhere along the way, after that Ironman, I wanted to qualify for Boston Marathon. Yeah. And then I had this goal to run in a pair of shoes that I made for mm-hmm. the Houston Marathon or Boston Marathon. And I wanted to create shoes for that experience. Yeah. And and um, it just evolved, like, really quickly. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was based in research, and um, a lot of it was... Yeah, the decision to start the shoe company in that time span, like after playing music, what I realized like distinctly in music was I didn't quite want to, I didn't want to be the night guy. I didn't yeah. want to play music at night. Again, when I was 45, 50 years old, I don't know mm-hmm. why I keep thinking about this idea. Like, what do I want to be doing long term? Like, what's yeah. going to be fulfilling long term? Um, I wanted to kind of engineer this whole idea that I could be the morning guy. Mm-hmm. I could do, I could do what I love, which was. I found that I loved running, and um, I wanted to make... I like mixing business and pleasure. I think yeah. it's a noble pursuit, and I like mixing family and business, or business, like, whatever. Like, yeah, I, uh-huh. I come from a family where they're kind of equal in the same. Like, yeah. we don't... We always talk about business at yeah. the dinner table, well, you, so... We were talking on the run, you come from a family of business builders. Yeah, like. yeah, like, but we didn't talk at the table about where you, what you were going to study in college. Mm-hmm. We were saying, like, our conversations were more like, what are you going to build and how is it going to provide value? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't how to execute the thing. It was more like, we just all generally accepted that. I understood that they generally accepted that learning the accounting having to learn the things to get you there as table stakes. It's mm-hmm. just, you just got to do it. Yeah. You just have to do the mm-hmm. things that other people think are hit, like uh, roadblocks, but yeah. for us, it's just they're on the checklist. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to be the guy getting home at 2 a.m. I One day I want a family, and mm-hmm. I wanted to be waking up and living a healthy life and doing my thing and tackling dreams and this was this was kind of my best foot forward in that attempt to do it and I'm really happy with where it all ended up because um this I can safely say right now starting a shoe company wasn't exactly my dream job Mm -hmm. but being a designer an industrial designer learning those skills this whole DIY kind of mindset Mm -hmm. like I can create something and and I can attach that to what I love, which is running, mm-hmm. it's it, it's the it's the most amazing thing. So like I, I I am building my dream job. The shoe company is my dream company. Yeah. Um, but what I do in it, which is kind of cultivating this team atmosphere that we have, playing a part in that, um, and then learning the skill of industrial design, which is the most wildly interesting thing on the <laughs> planet to me. Yeah. Um, I'm learning about all kinds of stuff through this process. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just like a myth buster 
of like, <laughs> what are these foams and how do you get yeah, them? How are they injected? Are they yeah. compression molded? Are they injection molded? And what yeah. is the difference between those two things? Like, <laughs> yeah. to me, that's that's what makes me get up yeah. every day is mm-hmm. learning all that stuff, owning mm-hmm. it, then moving on and building that skill set. Yeah. So always finding a way to master that craft um, and then remaster and then kind of building off of that. Yeah. So that the, the Atreyu is basically a manifestation of finally found an outlet to where I can keep building and building yeah. and building. And improving, and improving, improving. Exactly. And improving. Exactly, yeah. And so whenever you're starting something that is entering into a hyper-saturated market, mm-hmm. how do you create a brand that will be successful? How do you go about that? Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I think it's a really cool question, and I think a lot of a lot of folks might have, again, what we talked about on our run this morning, was a right or wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. I think it's these day and age, uh, I, I'm very passionate about the fact that I think, I believe that most people, how do I say this? It's not most people because that would be presumptuous, but it's more, we have more common ground than I think anybody wants to overtly talk about. Yeah, sure. Like, um, I think we talk about it. There's like, you know, relevant issues, everything like it, it, it they're incredibly important, but a lot of them, it, what I really, really enjoy talking about is self esteem and authenticity mm-hmm. and, dedication to becoming the men and women that we want to become and like what does that look like and feel like and and uh so the question that you asked was uh, basically like a how do you differentiate and uh, among the competition and I didn't really see it that way I kind of see the world as this place where people are longing for connection and identity and everybody wants to build self-esteem and everybody wants to kind of be inspired by something so I think more more in terms of um, what my tool what was in my toolbox at that time Mm -hmm. and for me it was storytelling it Mm -hmm. was the fact that I didn't know the industry that was our differentiating point truly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, when we launched the the first pre-sale on February 21st on an arbitrary day which was my birthday so there was no special day why (laughs) it was I was like I'm gonna launch on my birthday not tell anybody it's my birthday because I don't like my birthday so I'm gonna launch a company on (laughs) that day so people don't call me yeah and (laughs) and so Runner's World wrote an article that that day and released it Nice. Like, here's first look at this new company. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the first running shoe subscription company and this yeah. and this and this. Which, did y'all set that up, or did they just sort of hear rumbling? I got and... a call from the okay. editor, and it was a great conversation. Yeah. I just, um, and to me, it's like I'm talking to, like, the arbiter of, like, one of my childhood. Like, I always, like, runner's world and yeah. DuPont <laughs> registry yeah. for cars. And, yeah. like, I was like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. So, you know, just a dynamic conversation and, the article was really cool mm-hmm. because it didn't say the wildly most positive things about the shoes per se, mm-hmm. but it did have a very stark differentiator, which was I was kind of this new kid on the block mm-hmm. that didn't know much. Mm-hmm. That's kind of I'm not necessarily eccentric, but I but I I liked how it read. I yeah. liked that there is a personality coming in that's mm-hmm. trying to do this great yeah. thing and the kind of battle with mm-hmm. getting the ring with yeah. with the giants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was our differentiator. So mm-hmm. we're a storytelling brand built off of authenticity and inspiration mm-hmm. and 
putting one foot in front of the other and practicing what we want to become. And because yeah. I want to build a great brand, so I'm telling people, I want to build a great brand. Y'all follow along. This is my team. We're gonna do all this stuff. And we mm-hmm. literally show everything. Yeah. Um, the ups, the downs, um, and it resonates with people because I do think that people are just genuinely are longing for connection. Um, in a world of social media yeah. and, you know, the re- songs used to be two and a half minutes and now you'd be lucky to find 60 seconds of unique audio yeah. material, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. not repeated yeah. over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So, like, attention spans have just gone so low and yeah. I think that's great. It's great for, you know, a lot of different things, but... It undermines the, this inherent need to of a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I kind of, instead of differentiating, I ask, I ask myself a lot, like, where does the brand want to be standing mm-hmm. when people are looking for authenticity? Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, how are we going to realize that? And how are we going to, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. So what does authenticity look like? It's a question we ask ourselves all the time. Yeah. Uh, for us, it's um, it's designing a trail shoe when I'm not a trail runner and telling people <laughs> yeah. that we're getting expertise on this that's mm-hmm. outside of our what our yeah. group can do, and mm-hmm. we're going to do all and we we're taking that data yeah. and it's we're going to then build off of that and yeah. we're going to test it and we're going to do, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cool little ride. And yeah. So people aren't going to go into it going, I bought this because it's the number one and the lightest and this and, and that. It's the best. Yeah. It's, yeah. but they're going to buy it because it represents authenticity. It represents mm-hmm. that story and it has a connection to mm-hmm. the designer yeah. or the team that mm-hmm. put it into play mm-hmm. and the ups and downs it took to really get there. Yeah. You're a guy who obviously takes pride in, in doing things and figuring things out yourself, have you found it difficult to transfer responsibility to team members and allow them to take ownership over things in things like that you don't necessarily know best on, like a trail shoe? Oh man, like that, <laughs> that like that's a great question, it's truly a great question because we had um, internally we do these. Uh, we do these kind of like check-ins mm-hmm. and um Marianne our chief of staff staff of five but like it's, <laughs> right, it's such still. a lethal position yeah. like um we have some sacred conversations about mm-hmm. um what we're proud about you know what we how we've grown what we want to learn yeah and um with me, delegating was at the top of my list mm-hmm. um, our very recent conversation and because it wasn't something that I was good at. Mm-hmm. I would rather do everything myself, and that, that resourcefulness was often um, misconstrued as um, control freakish, um, you know... Uh, perfectionist almost but I had the time and the willpower to kind of persevere through learning things myself so and you've done it so many times too Mm -hmm. so it's you know you can do it right and so it became like a a huge um challenge for me to delegate Mm -hmm. so I've been actually practicing that so it's it I think what you one of our 
company mantras is what we practice, we become. And I just practice delegating at the smallest level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so um, I'm good at taking pictures. I have a Fuji X-T3. I love looking at lenses and I love like learning about light and I love learning Photoshop and yeah. Illustrator Suite and all that stuff. It's ve- I'm very passionate yeah. about it. Griffin's and the aesthetic than- of a trade's page and of your personal page. Mm-hmm. And Griffin's better than yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And he's quicker. He's got a very artistic eye. Yeah. And what I find is I'm when I'm pleasantly surprised by the angle that he's throwing at mm-hmm. us and the lighting that he chose to put in the mix, yeah. I like that feeling better than me owning it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned is to just say, like, I've had to practice being like, creative is what I do, mm-hmm. but it's not what I do anymore. I'm going to give that to to him mm-hmm. and let's let him elevate that. Yeah. So starting, that was a big thing for me to have mm-hmm. to learn to give away. But um, I, th- I just have this theory that big goals are, they don't exist. They're just a fugazi. Small mm-hmm. goal, big goals are just a series of small little little mm-hmm. goals. Like yeah, that, sure. that's it. There's just tiny microscopic mm-hmm. little goals that you piece together along a continuum. It's an atomic find, habits thing, right? Yeah. yeah it's, it's a process, yeah. not a goal. Set your alarm, yeah. you know. <laughs> if you want to be a better employee, you have, it has nothing to do with work. Yeah. You know, or you want to become manager at an, at an organization that seems tough at, it has probably, you got to the first thing you can do is set your alarm. Yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. work on being five minutes early so that you can set your intention for the day. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, then nothing you do will elevate you to that posi- position, mm-hmm. perhaps. I don't yeah. know. But, like, mm-hmm. that's the theory. Right. So um, same thing with kind of where we're going. Um, I try and find – I always try and break apart what's the – what are the – how do you get so myopic on like finding ways to unlock these bigger goals? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how long have you guys been around? Mm-hmm. Um, when I decided to move from Lake Charles to Austin, mm-hmm. that was, um, this, uh, October, November, 2018. Mm-hmm. I raced CIM that year, uh, the marathon, and then moved to Austin on December 26. So nice. 2019, all of 2019 was learning. Worked at a run store, learning, mm-hmm. meeting reps, and yeah. asking them if they knew any designers, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then uh, 19 was I set about five hours a day at the Medici on West Lynn. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of learning how to build a Shopify site, yeah. things like that. Like what everything, you need? Exactly. Yeah, just like everything. Buying a book literally called, like, How to Build a Shoe Company off the <laughs> Internet. Yeah. Nice. Which was funny, and I read it, and it was like, you have to build a brand. It's like, <laughs> that's a very, that's a very, like, like okay, let's take that and let's dissect it. Let's yeah. make it very, very mm-hmm. small. Is my brand any good? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't have one yet. So I was like, all right, that's <laughs> yeah. very, very, like, Smashing the face, like, guess you got to do the stuff that <laughs> yeah. the book, you know, it, it, all those exercises all year long. And then by the end of the year, um, I had got hooked up with some like product sourcing, not product sourcing, but like factory sourcing, like mm-hmm. material sourcing liaison. Yeah. So they um, were able to kind of take work that a designer and I at the time um, were putting together for the midsole, prototyping that. And I took over on the upper and, okay. and then, and then learned illustrator and mm-hmm. kind of like there was 
I was very passionate about wanting to learn the design piece. So yeah. kind of was able to develop my own skills to build the second model yeah. and move into there. But it by about 2019, the shoe was done, but we didn't have a name. And legally, you know, that's kind of a cluster F of a project. So <laughs> we finally got one yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, launched the pre-sale yeah, in 2020 uh, after it all kind of like hell married into this like yeah. thing. I was like, I think we're ready. Let's yeah. just launch it. Sure. And uh, sent out all the sample pairs to the review community and yeah. YouTube and stuff like that. And that's kind of when we were off to the races. But uh, Nice. Yeah, so about a well, year or two of mm-hmm. pre-production and yeah. learning and learning and learning, yeah. but fully committed yeah. to yeah. the project before executing on the the actual piece of spending any money on the project, yeah. per se. I think mm-hmm. at that point, those first few years, all I really needed to buy was a MacBook. Yeah, sure. And a subscription to Adobe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, and what... I guess it's two questions. How did you land on a Treyu? Mm-hmm. But also, what what was the first model like as far as what you had in your head, what the shoe was going to be, and then when you held that first shoe in your hand? like. Oh, man. So, so the first... The confirmation pairs said Penny Royal on them. Okay. Penny being thrifty, Royal being badass. Yeah. And um, the original name was called Mint, so mm-hmm. fresh, you know, fresh yeah. shoes, subscription basis. Yeah, yeah, easy going. That was just too broad. Penny Royal, I thought was awesome, but yeah. we got denied because there was a jeweler in you know California that was synonymous with fashion. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. is fashion? Mm-hmm. This and this, so we were denied that. Another six month rigmarole of the whole thing. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then uh, bought a dictionary and highlighted it. Mm-hmm. The really the big one. Uh, the, like, the, <laughs> like the thick Webster. The, yeah, I went word. to book people. Yeah. I bought a dictionary and a highlighter. Mm-hmm. And for about a week, I just went through the pages. I was looking for interesting words that popped out. Mm-hmm. And I went through the whole thing. Nothing. Shoot. How do you go through the dictionary <laughs> and not, and not find anything? Yeah. yeah. And, and it sounds pretty crazy, but it was like it blew my own mind because mm-hmm. like, trademarking something's wildly difficult. Yeah. Because everything is... Uh, a lot of things have been taken through time, you know. Mm-hmm. Information is spread so quickly, and so have, like, names. Yeah. Marks. Names, and, domains. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's just, the, the bucket's overflowing. Yeah. That's why you see things with, like, misspelled names yeah. and cute little numbers behind them and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. that's, that's what it is. That's yeah. the reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, I got a chance to race in the 70.3 World Championships in Nice, nice. France. So I was in Nice and um, and uh, I was just sitting there, brother, who was kind of just this wonderful figure in my life. He's my mentor, but he's my brother. He's nine years older than me, and he was like the successful trailblazer. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he gave me a book called The Warrior Code to read during you know, before my race, yeah. and just kind of love this book, check it out. Yeah. It's how the Spartans kind of did the thing, and yeah. it's just brutally honest, like, it's like <laughs> kind of crazy, and yeah. it's like, I want a, I want a warrior name, mm-hmm. I want a name that, like, represents, like, warrior and brotherhood and all this stuff. It's and, like equal parts community and mm-hmm, battle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting there with, uh, just, I, then I started doing, um, Let's make up a word because mm-hmm. I can't find one. I'm going to have to yeah. make it up. We're going to have to mm-hmm. create something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I was putting syllables together, and I was like, Atreyu, that's, that's a very sharp name. It's 
did a test search, no trademarks. I think they had some baby sheets or something. Yeah. I was like, well, there is a band. Yeah. There mm-hmm. is the movie. There is this. But the and then I looked it up and there was like some description on Reddit that was like loosely translates to Native American meaning brotherhood and warrior okay. spirit. Nice. And I was like, oh freaking hey, that's that's kind of awesome. <laughs> that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in in with me. Like I kind of abide by the gut feeling sometimes. I just got to go with it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this just feels right. I think we yeah. can fill this name. If the name is a bucket, we can fill it over time to mean what the company wants to mean. Mm-hmm. The company will be developing, and so will the name. So she went down the road, kind of like submitted to the powers. Like it's maybe not the most creative name. It's mm-hmm. maybe not the most explainable name. Like it is, but it is the decision. Yeah. And let's fill this bucket with value and, and over time, and that's the mission. And I'm really happy we ended on it. Um, so that was the kind of the story of the name. Um, it to this day, uh, it takes on a life for me that's over time it becomes something that becomes more attached to me. Yeah. In the beginning, it was kind of an odd mm-hmm. footing. It's like this name. Uh, I don't know what's yeah. going on with it mm-hmm. yet. So I had to. In my experience, kind of my hot dog restaurant was. Botskis, like, and it became something out of nothing. It was yeah. a cutesy little name that mm-hmm. became the hot dog place. Yeah. And um, and so this, uh, I'm actually pleasantly surprised to see what the name means in the long term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be totally honest with you, I I hope to see it mean something more mm-hmm. than what I thought it meant. Yeah. Uh, before it could mean mm-hmm. it could mean the brand that is the ev- is the running footwear provider for the everyman that yeah. goes and tackles massive goals yeah you know by means of small victories you know kind of that thing kind of showing kind of like pounding that ethos Mm. so i'm hoping that's what it stands on its own it kind of means in the long run heck yeah um and you you had a you had a a secondary question yeah the the first iteration of the shoe as Mm -hmm. far as you know you spend you spend two years Mm -hmm. dreaming of the concept learning the processes finding out who to source from learning from people and how to make a shoe and then finally you get the first version of the Atreyu shoe Mm -hmm. was it what you dreamed of or were you like oh shoot this is not what I wanted it was nuts (laughs) uh, when we're done I'll show you a picture Uh, but it was it was basically a like a ripstop nylon upper with um, it's almost like a Nike Mayfly the OG Nike Mayfly uh which is like a 100k racing flat upper yeah. mm-hmm. with a uh, Saucony Canvara-esque midsole on it. And so the idea was to put mm-hmm. a track spike upper on a, you know, it, it came out wild looking yeah. and it was <laughs> awesome. So yeah. I, I loved it. And to mm-hmm. this day, I want to re-release that ripstop Tyvek style upper mm-hmm. as a special edition. Yeah. But, uh, it was, you could see your sock through it and everything. I had this whole thing like shoes are going to be translucent yeah. opaque and all this stuff and yeah. they they have become very translucent yeah. and very opaque mm-hmm. in the past few years but yeah. uh i just wanted the shoe from the future like the design concept like i told you was like it needed to be vended from a vending machine on the face of mars where people <laughs> want to go run yeah and it's like and be like this a new like that was like what have, what have you built that shoe yeah and uh and it came out and it blew my mind it was <laughs> about four point something ounces, like five ounces. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, 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 this is lighter than at this stack height. 
which was like comparable to a Boston yeah. or, a, or an Adios mm-hmm. at the time, it was like almost half the weight. Yeah. And I was like, what, what, what has been happen? created yeah. here? It was, it, it was mind blowing. Yeah. And I put it on, I was like, this upper, this like kind of packable, mm-hmm. the whole shoe could be flat packed yeah. to a midsole. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this feels amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it feels absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it blew my mind. So that's why I went to France and got to test that prototype at that race. That's awesome. Yeah, which was fun. And then I tested the confirmation pairs at Ironman Arizona. Nice. And um, that's just kind of how I like doing it. And I'll test the, mm-hmm. I'll test the trail shoe yeah. final pr- uh, iteration of it mm-hmm. at, like, if it's not a race, I'll go do, like, rim to rim to rim or yeah. something in it. And that's yeah. just the way that I like to kind of build that story. Yeah. yeah, and put it through the ringer. Mm-hmm. And... And so it was. It was the coolest day of all time. I opened up those boxes and I. I was just. It, it blew my mind, man. Yeah. It was the coolest feeling. Um, and I don't. I admittingly, man, I don't. I don't know where along the way I started having higher hopes for the company and not <laughs> celebrating those victories and wins. But it's happened a little quick now. Yeah. We're worried about monthly cash flow and this and that and Mm -hmm. this and that and growing to the point of where it can and it reminds me that I should stop and take a breather and Mm -hmm. just like take a look at like how wild this Mm -hmm. like this whole thing has been because it wasn't just yesterday that I had no idea that I could (laughs) even put a product in my hand that was produced on the other side of the planet yeah and um so I appreciate that question heck yeah man yeah god (laughs) Yeah, it's the smile on your face, right? Yeah, now. yeah it makes me happy. I know like, it's it's nuts, man. Yeah. and and that shoe, it um, it it, yeah. I, I need to I need to make a special edition from it. The problem <laughs> with it, that you might yeah. be saying, like, why did you move away from the Tyvek mm-hmm. or the whatever? Yeah. Well, because what I learned was that you had to screen print on top of it, and that didn't. It kind of like it would have blemishes, and it was hard to screen yeah. print. Uh, on top of that material, you couldn't sublimate, mm-hmm. print it, yeah. um, and uh, it was a no-go. And mm-hmm. my buddy Rory, who was much faster than me, he mm-hmm. ran like a 217 marathon, Jeez. so he was like testing the shoes, and he's like, it feels a little bit unstable. And I'm yeah. like, God, don't tell me that. <laughs> so we changed the material don't to more like, to the yeah, <laughs> we've changed the material yeah. to something that was more traditional mm-hmm. in this kind of like yeah. fashion, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, kind of ended up with this iteration, but... Um, but yeah, it was it was more of an implementation of yeah. that material itself. Okay. And what yeah. you know, talking about stories, and I mean, I know you have a you you have a job to get to here a little bit, so no, we'll we're start good. Down. No, it's um, it's awesome. What time is it? Oh yeah, we're good. Oh cool, yeah. sweet. Um, moving forward, you know, you had the article written, mm-hmm. sort of launched y'all into yeah. the ether. What is the story that you want to invite people into moving forward? Mm. That's a really, really, that's another great question. Um, We're really good at this. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, I tell you it's that the, the, the story anything. right now is, it's, I could tell you all day long that because I'm working on a product line that's, and this isn't even a sales pitch, I'm a dog shit overt salesman. <laughs> I, I do not want to sell the shoes. Yeah. Like, I hate it. Mm-hmm. I, it makes me feel weird. Yeah. 
You're um, creative through. Yeah, like I don't, yeah. I don't want to. Ha- I don't even. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's just not something I'm I'm yeah. gifted at, which mm-hmm. is like, I love the product and I want people to love it, but mm-hmm. again, I have I'm battling with those self esteem things. So yeah. avert sales is just not. Yeah, not sure. my thing. That's um, why salesmen exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we've actually created a character that comes out mm-hmm. on Wednesdays. His name is Freight Train. <laughs> it's Griffin who puts on a cowboy hat and talks in a little oh, Texas accent, yeah, yeah. and, and he sells the shoes because I got to meet my quota. <laughs> and uh, yeah. come on, y'all, you got to go. buy some of these running shoes. Yeah. And and like. We created a character because none of yeah. us are good at over It's like sales. someone has to, yeah. you have to enter into an entity to yeah. like, right, be e- that guy. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, uh, the story is, is um, what I would want, I can tell you that I'm very passionate about the products that we're going to, that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Some folks call it a product roadmap or whatever. Mm-hmm. We have two models now. The second model, the, the, the one that I have my foot was, you know, it's it's got a, it's got a runner's world editor's choice on it for a carbon plated racing shoe, which Let's is go. pretty bad to the bone. Yeah. And it's not even close to where I want it to be in the final iteration. Mm-hmm. So as far as the products standpoint, I'm excited about the trail shoe. And I'm also excited to work on this middle shoe model, which mm-hmm. is like, uh, something that rides in between our base model shoe and the racing shoe mm-hmm. that's if you could have one shoe to do it all what would yeah. that be maybe for ultra running yeah. maybe for um recovery running or yeah. long distance running mm-hmm. something without a plate getting back yeah. to the basics mm-hmm. kind of a situation i'm very passionate about that and so i could invite people into that story if mm-hmm. i wanted to really really push that but the bigger story right now is to um I would just invite people to see where this company goes because mm-hmm. at the very basic notion of it, we have five people running a global company and we're all we're all learning and we're all discovering what the brand is actually going to mean. And I'm genuinely interested to see myself where mm-hmm. the story goes yeah. through supply chain issues. We will be sold mm-hmm. out of our most exciting product for six months. Yeah. You what are, happens you will then? Be. We will be. Well, we yeah. are, we basically are right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we have about a hundred pairs left. Okay. And, um, and are those hundred pairs like those the, were the promo pairs that, the size 12. Yeah. well, they're the pairs that we save yeah. to give them to athletes who yeah. was like, we, you know, so we might have, we might have to sell them. Yeah. To yeah. be totally honest. Mm-hmm. Like we could probably use the cheddar, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. So, um, and, how are we going to handle ourselves? It, character is built, I was told, uh, when dealing with pain or struggle. Mm-hmm. It's not built in absence. The meaning of life is not to avoid pain. Yeah. It's to understand how to deal with our pain that will ultimately define our character. Mm-hmm. And so if you come into the Atreyu narrative and you're loving our products and you know, uh, following the company, then I think what I what I would love to see is People are inspired by the way that we handle ourselves mm-hmm. through the supply chain, yeah. through launching new products. Mm-hmm. That's going to really break our cash flow yeah. by the seams, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and working with a small team, like we're we're just we have no fluff. There mm-hmm. is no fluff like mm-hmm. at all. There's no fat to trim. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a beautiful little kind of dance that we have to do to elevate to the next level, to get bigger purchase mm-hmm. orders, to accommodate whatever demand there is and sometimes the demand drops mm-hmm. it's like okay that's interesting yeah. what do you do with that so 
it's um I would like to invite people into uh, into into the next few years to to watch us grow. Yeah, I mean, and I hope and to that grow with I you. hope that it's exactly, and I hope that that's uh, that there's more common ground to the everyman runner yeah. than there is to you know if if we can find more common ground as a brand, then mm-hmm. my ultimate goal is to build a brand that some how has a connection to the people that buy the products. Yeah. I'm still realizing what that actually looks like and feels mm-hmm. like and means. Yeah. So um, we've got a lot to learn, man. Mm-hmm. And how we put that into place is uh, going to be really interesting. Like we're doing a vlog on YouTube, mm-hmm. just like you guys. Yeah. Um, we're going to do, we've been doing a vlog every week. We committed to one every week. Mm-hmm. And, and we just want to build that up to see how that can add value to somebody's life if they want to know how to start a business or get into the footwear game yeah. or learn something or, you know, so I'm, I'm really passionate about the, the vlog. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask a question here mm-hmm. and, and I, it's just because it's, it's been coming up so often and words mm-hmm. are important to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think words help us craft meaning. Uh, and I want to ask you what passion means to you because I've heard you use it many times throughout mm-hmm. the pod. Um, and I think it means different things to different people. So I want, I want to know what it means to you. Passion is rooted. Passion is the thing that if you don't do it, nothing else really matters. Mm-hmm. Digging very deep. I think passion just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I think we have to search for it, right? We have these inherent deep down desires to become the men and women that we want to become. And mm-hmm. we know that through work equals progress and that has outcomes and all that stuff. And I think that my version of passion is taking a very honest look about the deepest parts in my gut or my soul and saying, how am I going to... flex through this kind of passion is challenge Mm -hmm. it's it's friction it's growth it's it's uh it's ultimately um it was born out of this idea that sometimes we don't have to do what's comfortable you know, we, and so my passion has become doing the thing that seems a little bit outside of the wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. That's my passion. Um, because I know that my, what may, perhaps maybe passion equals the thing that it's a tool that helps us to get to the outcome. Mm -hmm. My outcome, ultimately, I want to be, I want to live a fulfilling life. I want to be, um, I want to be mentally stable. I want to be very at peace with my sobriety. I want to be a more balanced person. Like, I know the outcomes. They Mm -hmm. do not exist right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But passion is the thing. Passion to get there is the thing that will help me get to those outcomes. So So what's the difference between passion and drive? Mm. Or are they intertwined? Yeah, we're diving right in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, is that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there is. Um, 
I think drive drive is a decision passion drive is a it, drive, maybe drive, a drive it's a line drive towards a very calculated outcome mm-hmm. passion is an expedition it's mm-hmm. like we could win or lose or this or that mm-hmm. but we're going to maybe learn something from it yeah. and how how we deal with that pain or win or whatever in between becomes a tool that we can use to get us to the outcome so it's 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 style you know mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, the big question that I'm asking myself right now is is do we choose our passion or does it choose us? Mm-hmm. That's 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 kind of a fundamental kind of <laughs> very kind of uh, existential way of looking yeah. at it. But if I'm really thinking about it, I'm curious to know if my passion to become a great industrial designer lives in the ego mm-hmm. of not being the best designer, or it's something that is a tool that I've curated myself to become this designer and create the products that I want mm-hmm. to come to do personally because yeah. what I want from the company might be different than what I want personally mm-hmm. like because I'm battling I don't want the company to have to battle with self-esteem yeah the company is a manifestation of like the entire picture of yeah. like it's it's like the sculpture mm-hmm. you know that's mm-hmm. what I want yeah. yeah so it teaches me how to do things so mm-hmm. I don't know Pat it's a I'll probably be thinking about that for a long time. <laughs> what, what's your What's your opinion on it, actually? As far as like uh, what passion means, yeah. Mm-hmm. I personally believe that to be passionate about something means that it is all consuming. Mm-hmm. I believe that passion is the fire that fuels your creative drive. Mm-hmm. So drive being drive being the technique, passion being the fuel. Passion being the mm-hmm. fuel. Passion being. Passion being the all-consuming fire of creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you are passionate about something, for me, it means that you have no control over the way you feel about it. Mm. It, it makes me think of kind of how you said, like, does passion choose us or do we choose... Almost sure. like are we born inherently with a passion for design, for, right. yeah. for acting and storytelling, mm-hmm. for... Bullshitting my way to anything, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, In the creative process, yeah. <laughs> we call that the creative um, process. <laughs> and, and it makes me think of. I remember one time listening to a song by a friend, and he injected these pieces of a talk that some professor gave, where he was talking about passion and drive and creative endeavors, and sort of that that tension of to pretty much pursue a passion is to dive headfirst into struggle, failure. Mm-hmm. That to so, me is it. Yeah. Like that's, and, and, they, and, and that's where it's a hundred percent. So the passion, maybe if I'm re, like really taking an honest look at what mm-hmm. my passion mm-hmm. could be, um, if you back the lens up a little bit, it's passion to become, a more honorable person than I used to be. Mm-hmm. And that is not something that I chose. Like, that is an absolutely... Mm-hmm. That is something that 
makes each day beautiful and haunts yeah. it and all the things in between. It's the whole thing. The whole thing, right? It's and it's like I want that's why I talk a lot about self discovery and the man I want to become and mm-hmm. the person because everything I'm doing mm-hmm. it's like the business isn't necessarily the passion. The passion could be me wanting to become an accountable, honest, mm-hmm. authentic human being mm-hmm. knowing that there was a time in my life that I did not feel honest, I did not feel accountable, I did yeah. not feel this, mm-hmm. and it wasn't my decision to just like wake up one day and say, <laughs> that's the way to be. Yeah. I mm-hmm. felt deep down that that was the way I, that that feeling, that gut feeling that's, mm-hmm. that that was with me since I was a kid, like that, that shows, yeah. I don't have a lever to turn that off. Yeah, right? it's yeah, there. Yeah. Well, and that's this this professor, he says in this little thing, he says, I'm teaching, pretty mm-hmm. much saying, like, I'm a teacher. It's my passion. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching for the same reasons the birds sing and the stars shine. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of mm-hmm. alluding to, I'm teaching because if I woke up and had never taught before, I would start teaching. Mm-hmm. Because right. it was in me to be a teacher, to pursue teaching, to pursue being honorable, to... Mm-hmm. do these things and that that stuck with me for years of mm-hmm. maybe I have a passion for running for loving people for talking into a microphone and sharing mm-hmm. stories for yeah. brand building because if I literally woke up tomorrow having never done any of those things I would start doing them because mm-hmm. it's like literally yeah. wired in me mm-hmm. so it's the common denominator between selling hot dogs playing music <laughs> And building running shoes, right. there is a common thread. Yeah. And it's the passion of becoming this exploring tangible real world mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Knowing that I have this skill set in business. Yeah. Because of the family table growing mm-hmm. up. Right. Yeah. And how I manifest my passion is through business mm-hmm. well, and the continuum of those different styles. And it's interesting to me that you've landed currently and who knows where you know your life and your passion will take you on a product built to make people better. Name into that. <laughs> that's that. pretty pretty <laughs> rad too. I mean, y'all, I it's that's really that's really humbling to even think about. Mm-hmm. It sounds like I have a lot to be grateful for, <laughs> <laughs> which I know I is the truth, do. dude. I, we, we all do. I, uh, we all do, man. Uh, and dude, we're we're grateful for you. I'm grateful for the miles that we got to share this morning, and I'm just gonna expect that there's more of those yeah. to come. So yeah, for sure. Just go ahead. And mark I mean, I'm just calendar. gonna point out, like you're not you're not wearing his shoes, man. What's up with that? They probably I, he, didn't come what, in the mail yet. They have not come in the mail yet. I will say right now, he sent me yeah. a mirror. They just have not showed yeah. up to my doorstep yet. I yeah. live about in the boonies. Holiday holiday hustle, man. <laughs> yeah, holiday hustle. But, it's interesting how you can go. N- it's a nice breath of fresh air to talk about stuff we're grateful about as mm-hmm. opposed to... Because I, when I leave here today, sure. we're going to be worrying about shoes getting to people's yeah. doors. And that's a, and that's a different world. And a lot of that's out of your control. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And you're having to try and find what you can control yeah. sure. within all that and also make customers happy. It's a higher and... possibility out there, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's so rad. How often do you have to say that serenity pair throughout the day? Just like, oh, gosh. Dude, it's <laughs> it's it's out of control, yeah. man. It it the yeah, I'm 
It's a very interesting situation. <laughs> it's all Fair. a very, very interesting situation. Yeah. Soon I'm going to be getting into that ultra life right. so that I can start exercising this in a different in mm-hmm. a different oh, capacity. Yeah. So I'll show you the trails, man. Yeah, right on. Like, yeah. Um, again, mark your calendar. This is not just mm-hmm. I'll bring words. the coffee. I won't run, but I'll bring the coffee. You'll bring the coffee. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and we, uh, we will go. Uh, so we're also... We're planning a beer mile for February. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, we're also planning on having a a division in which there's non-alcoholic beer involved. So you're what? We'd love to have you come. Yeah. Um, but I'd we'll, like to be the world's uh, the the world champ in the non-alcoholic beer mile. That that's yeah, man. We can start the journey in February. <laughs> yes. I mean, we also know Mitch. I'm throwing so it out we'll there. Yeah, right we, now. We, we'll have Mitch there. We'll, we'll, get, we'll <laughs> nice. get some guys in the room. Oh right dang now. it! Yeah. I just got second place. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never hey, know. He might not show up. Beer miles are way different. They're way yeah. different. Yeah. But uh, when we tow the line, we will have our trays on. We'll make Slick, sure to get man. some good content for that. We'll share that. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, we have one more question for you sure. before we let you go. It's a question we ask everybody who comes on the show. And again, also, thanks for your time today. I appreciate um, it. Thanks for reaching out. you got a business out. to run. You have supply chain things to, no, to not just worry about, to work on. But you've been so gracious, giving us a few hours today to just hang out. And, it's a pleasure. And talk about how grateful we are. Mm-hmm. Um what does it mean to you to be a Texan? All right. I absolutely am a, uh, I'm a new Texan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to UT for a little bit. And I've been here for about three years mm-hmm. or so. And uh, what it means to me, it, coming from Louisiana... Is uh, man, I tell you, it's it's a fun situation living on the border of mm-hmm. Louisiana and Texas. Yeah, and uh, it's I don't I that's one that uh, what does it mean to be a Texan? I like the independent spirit of it. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> Let's go and. And I find that coming from a state that's so culturally rich mm-hmm. in Louisiana, but also living, you know, 30 minutes from Beaumont. Yeah. In this area of the country that is just so unique, I'd like to think that um, that I'm worthy of the Texas spirit. Um, oh, yeah. And, and so what it means to me is... A lot of folks are coming into Texas. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of people are adopting Texas as their home. Austin being a very kind of progressive community in the state of Texas, and Texas itself is seeming to be very dynamic these days, and also filling its uh, brand bucket in with a lot yeah. of new, mm-hmm. interesting things. Yeah. I I really think it's one of the most exciting places mm-hmm. to live, and I don't. I, I think a lot about like where else would I want to live and I can't find that answer because <laughs> I really just am stoked to become become this like build off of that culture that I found mm-hmm. in the swamp land of Louisiana <laughs> yeah, but yeah. also build on it with mm-hmm. this Texas independent spirit mm-hmm. which is more unique to Louisiana and a different it's a different brand of yeah. uniqueness mm-hmm. like we owned a lot of cool culture down there mm-hmm. but Texas culture is is much different there's a lot to be explored so to me um, 
it's an expedition for me. Like I, I'm, I'm proud to feel like a Texan, like a half Texan, like a half, like a half, yeah. you know, like almost <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. A, like yeah. a, you know, kind of a Tex-Mex. Feel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, it's, Weezy Texas. yeah, I, uh, I'm hoping that I make the, the the state of Texas proud. I hope I hope Texas does uh, because that's the when I started the company at Treyu mm-hmm. to plant the flag here in Austin on yeah. the Town Lake Trail mm-hmm. was a very very that was full of intent. That mm-hmm. was my favorite running trail, mm-hmm. and for better or for worse, that was my knowledge of beautiful running. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I didn't have the trails of Colorado and mm-hmm. everything like that. Like mm-hmm. I had Texas Town Lake. Yeah. Uh, Austin Town Lake, and uh, what it feels to me is a sense of this is kind of like my running paradise. Yeah. So for better, for uh, my running paradise has become my home, mm-hmm. which is just a, a sense of. Sometimes I think about my identity with Louisiana and mm-hmm. wonder if I should go get like a Louisiana tattoo to remind <laughs> myself because yeah. I'm be- right. slowly becoming mm-hmm. more in touch with uh, yeah. kind of my new home which is Austin and it's yeah. it, it's happening quicker than I thought it would be actually <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. my, my family lives in Houston mm-hmm. a lot of them live in Houston now yeah. and um but um yeah I think Texas is just getting started man <laughs> <laughs> I love that man heck yeah to be Texan is to have an independent spirit yeah yes I sir love that Mike absolutely thank you so much for your thank time you thank, thank you guys thank you for inviting yeah. us into your story into yeah. Atreyu's story and we're really excited to see what keeps being written uh, it's a pleasure indeed I appreciate you guys and okay. uh, I'm looking forward to the next conversation and maybe uh, maybe offering to lend a uh, return hand and helping you guys set up <laughs> some audio if you ever I, I can see the itch in you of like please like, please, please let me right. make this better don't do it right. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you are more than welcome I just like returning the favor yeah, man yeah, so man. I'm looking forward to repaying it awesome, to you guys man. or, you so or out to somebody else yeah exactly. appreciate you dude man I cannot wait for Mike IY Mike IY is going to be gonna great. Be, it's going to be a thing. Just I'm, Mike IY, gonna... I think Chip and Joanne are going to have a bit of competition. Oh, no. And they are not going to like it. But, Mike, thank you so much. Thanks for your time. That was awesome. Yes. So awesome. Um, speaking of awesome, heard heard you saw him. So here's the thing. This was this was just kind of a funny one. I don't even know if this was directed at me so much as it just happened around me. He's projecting. Again. He's projecting. <laughs> I, I think I think he knew I was there. Okay, but it wasn't necessarily all about me. Okay, with Lance, it's usually about Lance. Yeah, so he, it's more you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tour to Lance. So you know, Spider Man came out. Yes. Yeah. And I'm a big Marvel fan. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go watch Spider-Man. Yeah. I love Tom Holland. He's super cute. Very cute. Very, very kissable, you know? <laughs> Just want to hug him. I, I would pay him Just to put him things. in my pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm enjoying the Spider-Man movie. I'm not going to give you guys any spoilers, but after the movie, you yeah. know how they always do, like, a little cut scene? Yeah. Out of nowhere, like, the lights come up, and I see this yellow blur fly down the aisle mm-hmm. and skid to a stop in front of the movie theater, and wouldn't you know it, it's Lance. Oh, wow. And he just looks at everybody and goes, how's this for a cutscene? Flips people <laughs> off and bikes out the exit. Just bikes out of the exit. Of course, it's a fire exit, so the alarm goes off. Nice. Because it's Lance. Sprinkles. He's got it. So some people make an entrance. He makes an exit. <laughs> That's, he does. He does, man. He's all about the exit. It was a quick one. It was fun. Yeah. You know, it was like, hey, 
here he is. You got to res- respect the king. You got to respect the king. You got to yeah. respect the game. Well, Tour de Lance. Tour de Lance forever and forever always. Forever and always. It's going to be our second t-shirt for sure. For sure. Speaking of t-shirts, by the time this episode airs, so as I'm talking, yeah. it's in the works. But if you go to our Instagram, at Tex-ish, you can get a look at the small run of shirts that we've yep. done so far. Uh-huh. Like it, comment on it if you would like a shirt. We want to get a feel for how many more shirts we need to order for our next big run, which yep. you can go purchase at the store that will be up on the new Tex-ish website. Yes. Super excited to share all that with y'all. Oh, heck yeah. Before you do that, right now you can go to neverrest.com. Don't forget to throw some coffee into your shopping cart. Absolutely. At checkout, use code TEXTISH. For 10% off. For 10% off all your orders. After you do that, go leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts, TEXTISH Pod on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Follow our Instagram at TEXTISH. DM us your Lance sightings or email them to TEXTISH underscore pod at gmail.com. Subject line, Lance Sightings. We appreciate each of you so, so much. If you keep listening, we're going to keep making this. Frankly, if you stop listening, we're going to keep making this. We'll find you. We'll find you. We'll we'll stick Lance on you. I will absolutely John Cusack it outside your window. (laughs) Blast in the episodes. And you're just going to have to listen. And you're just going to have to sit down and take it. (laughs) We appreciate all of you so much. Listen, like, follow, review, Comment, email, Lance sightings. We appreciate all of you. Tour to Lance. Bye, Bye, y'all.